This weekend, Indy's in the national spotlight, but after the Final Four leaves town, the state's mask mandate is no more. This week, the governor responds to Democrats who want that mandate to stay in place until more Hoosiers get vaccinated. We'll talk with State Senator J.D. Ford and former State Senator and current U.S. Representative Victoria Sparts. We'll talk about her recent trip to the border. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. A Capitol Police officer killed in an incident involving a suspect from right here in Indiana. Flags now at half staff at the White House. This is the president continues to urge caution when it comes to the coronavirus. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mandate if you let it down. President Joe Biden calling on governors to reinstate their mask mandates with cases back on the rise. This says Indiana prepares to change its mask mandate to a mask advisory Tuesday, the day after the final four leaves town. Good morning and happy Easter Sunday. It's another momentous week here in the Hoosier State with the eyes of the world watching all the basketball here in Indy. And to keep with that basketball metaphor, now we all have our shot to get the coronavirus vaccine. All Hoosiers 16 and up are eligible. And we got to that point earlier than most of our neighboring states. But now the question of masks moves from a state-by-state -state distinction to a county-by-county -county distinction. Starting Tuesday, local governments across Indiana can still keep the mask mandate in place. While some are, many won't. Alexa Green has more. That's right. At this point, some counties have decided to continue to move forward with the mask mandate. Others, though, will follow the governor's recommendation. We do know that counties like Marion and Monroe will continue to require masks for residents. In Hamilton County, residents will be required to wear a face mask when entering county-owned buildings. And in Johnson County, the state's mask mandate will become an advisory come next week. And several other counties still have not decided what they will do. In the meantime, health experts are weighing in. One IU professor says she hopes the governor will reconsider his decision. She believes if the mandate is removed, it will be extremely difficult to bring it back. She also pointed out the virus can spread beyond county lines. We've got so many people who live in one county, work in another. Think about uh, the car seat belt. We don't take that off depending on what county we go to, and we shouldn't do that for the mask either. The governor of Kentucky is also urging Governor Eric Holcomb to reconsider this decision to drop a statewide mask mandate. He says it's not time to let up our guard just yet. Meanwhile, in Ohio and Illinois, they will continue requiring masks for at least the time being. Now, we did reach out to the governor's office and they told us, quote, the state continues to move ahead. I'll send it back to you in the studio. Okay, Alexa, thanks. Here now is that exchange between Governor Holcomb and Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear, who called on Holcomb to continue our state's mask mandate. He's a reasonable person. We've had good conversations. This is one I hope he reconsiders. And if I have the opportunity, uh, I'll certainly ask him personally uh, to, to reconsider. All right. So that was Kentucky's governor. Here was the reaction at the state house when Governor Holcomb was asked to respond on Wednesday. Governor Bashir um, has my cell phone number and he clearly has the media's number as well. Uh, he has not contacted me. Uh, I did see his comments and I would I would just say that um, I've always taken the approach. My my style has been to 
respect all other governors and the decisions that they have to make uh, according to the numbers and what's happening on the ground in their states. Governor Holcomb this week also saying he plans to veto a bill to limit the amount of power Indiana's governor would have in an emergency. Kayla Sullivan has more. Legislative leaders say they plan to send this bill to the governor's desk on Monday, but Governor Eric Holcomb says he does not plan to sign it. He calls this legislation unconstitutional. We got reaction from leadership. We've talked to folks that are, are uh, confident the, the constitutionality of it, and, and we believe that to be the case. And governor Holcomb's been honest with us about his concerns and his what he said yesterday was no surprise to us. Uh, it's, it's no surprise to him that, you know, he, he knows the strong likelihood of us overriding. Depending on when the governor vetoes the bill, lawmakers could vote to override his decision by the end of session. Originally, lawmakers were going to be in session until April 29th, but they have moved that up a week. So we will continue following this developing story and bring you the latest here in online. For In Focus, I'm Kayla Sullivan. And I'm joined now by State Senator J.D. Ford. Senator Ford, thank you so much for being with us. I want to get your reaction here to Governor Holcomb's move to end the mask mandate next week, but also some of the legislation that's being discussed now in the Senate that might make it so local health departments wouldn't be able to enforce rules that are more restrictive than the state guidelines. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, uh, Dan, thank you for having me on. It's uh, great to be with all of you and uh, appreciate that question. And what I would just simply say is, you know, I support President Biden uh, in taking a very thoughtful, considered approach uh, to easing restrictions. Um, you know, this is not the time to be careless on easing up those restrictions. Uh, this is a time for us to be more diligent. Uh, the light is flickering at the, at the tunnel, uh, but we've got to finish strong and run through the tape. And I'm afraid uh, that my colleagues here are willing to undo um, all the hard work uh, that the governor has done and also our fellow Hoosiers. How do you see this debate playing out in terms of the governor's emergency powers? He's promising a veto uh, on that bill. What does all of this say just generally about the, the power of the legislative branch and the executive branch of government in Indiana. Yeah, you know what, Dan, I think this is a, um, you know, an eighth grade, uh, you know, history civics uh, lesson that we are currently seeing unfolding before our eyes. Uh, but let's not forget about the nearly 13,000 Hoosiers who have lost their lives due to COVID-19. I want to make sure that, that that is front and center on this conversation. Um, and in the rules committee, um, I was disappointed to, to not hear that uh, point be made. You know, I followed that bill very closely uh, from the rules committee to the floor discussion. Um, but, you know, what my Republican colleagues are essentially doing uh, is, is going to basically turn the, the part-time legislature into a full-time legislature. And if we want to do that, we should have that conversation, but let's not do it under the guise of, you know, taking away the governor's emergency powers. And let's just from a very practical standpoint, in this current environment, do we really want 150 partisan people at the helm, or do we want one person? Uh, to me, there'd be too many cooks in the kitchen um, that we're able to call ourselves into session whenever we want. And look, with one person, we know who to applaud when things are going well, and we know who to blame, you know, when things are not going well. So um, I would just say that, you know, I know my colleagues feel fatigue on this issue. 
Um, I know they felt left out of the process. We all feel that way. But there were so many folks that testified in committee that said that this bill is unconstitutional. And I have some very strong thoughts on that. And I think that we should not be turning our back on the Constitution. We all took an oath, and that's what uh, I believe on that issue. State Senator J.D. Ford, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. We have more of that interview on our website this week. I also spoke with former state senator and current U.S. Representative Victoria Sparts, who represents Indiana's 5th Congressional District. We spoke about her recent trip to the border and got her thoughts on the governor's decision to end the mask mandate. Are you concerned the governor might be ending the mask mandate too quickly in Indiana? And should the government, the federal government, play any role in that discussion? I big believe in states' rights and local control. There is a difference in different parts of Indiana. There are differences in different parts of the country. So I think the states are better equipped to make this decision. They have more agility. And if you look realistically, you know, it's all recommendation anyway. We're not, we're not putting people in jail for not wearing masks, you know. So if people believe, or some people in some areas that it's important, they'll do that. But I think that flexibility is important. And there are different circumstances on the ground in different areas. And I think that states are going to be bad at handling it. You voted against the president's stimulus plan. Now he's unveiling a new transportation and climate bill. Is there anything within that measure you might separately support uh, apart from this larger package he's proposing now? Well, we have to look at it, you know, because this packages, a lot of them have few good things, but a lot of awful things. And there are many things that are concerning. You know, if you look at the last package, only 99% went to actually fight the pandemic, 91% that was given to a lot of pet projects and different initiatives and bandages that my Democrat colleagues, you know, wanted to give to their supporters. And I think it's unfortunate that we cannot have bipartisan conversation on these issues because I truly believe we have to invest in good infrastructure. It should be about infrastructure. And then when we spend already two trillion and now looking to spend again, how are we going to finance it? And we need to prioritize, you know, as an accounting, I understand what the difference between expenditures and investment in assets. And a lot of our expenditures are not investing in assets and which bring us future returns. So it's concerning, but I'll try to be open-minded and see what that bill is going to look like. But it looks very concerning right now. The situation at, at the border, it's been in the news a lot recently. You were there at the border in recent days. What did you see and how do you respond to those who say this issue is being overly politicized? Oh, this is a crisis. I can tell you, you know, I actually went with my Democrat colleagues because uh, they told that, you know, I was the first Republican who went with them. And I want to make sure that we can have a discussion. I'm going to go with my Republican colleagues next week. And this is, was a trip. A lot of them are members of immigration subcommittee. And they acknowledge we have a very difficult situation. We created a lot of perverse incentives. Now we have a ton of little kids that Border Patrol has to handle, and there is no help from president. President created these perverse incentives where he's decided to keep these kids in our country, not send them back, but then he didn't send resources even to deal with that. Representative Sparts in Indiana's congressional delegation also reacting to the news Friday that another Capitol police officer had been attacked and killed in an incident Friday with a vehicle outside the Capitol involving a suspect with ties to Indianapolis. 
Much more on that later today on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. Coming up next, the controversial new law in Georgia and how the backlash to that law may remind some of a recent controversy in Indiana. Plus, the panel on our current governor's political fortunes and our former governor and former VP. Does he still have a future in politics? That's next. Well, as we said off the top, another momentous week in our city. The final four wrapping up this month of March Madness. But the end of the tournament tomorrow comes just a day before the end of our state's mask mandate on Tuesday. This is we continue to vaccinate more and more Hoosiers. Another mass vaccination clinic underway at IMS with all Hoosiers 16 and up now eligible. Let's bring in our panel, Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. And I'll start with Jennifer Wagner, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. Jennifer, appropriate that all of this is happening at IMS because it is literally a race now between the vaccine and these variants that are out there with some signs our numbers are headed back up as the governor moves ahead with rescinding the mask mandate. Yeah, I think um, I do, as a Democrat, want to give Governor Holcomb a lot of credit for the way he's handled this entire pandemic. Um, I got vaccinated this past week out of the IMS Max Vax Clinic. It was super easy. Um, anyone who can get out there, get an appointment, highly encourage them to do so. Um, I've talked to people in other states. I've, I talked to someone last week in Canada. They haven't even got their vaccines open to anyone under the age of 70. So I think we're doing pretty well. I do wish that we would keep the mask mandate in, in place statewide. Um, a recommendation is not the same as a mandate. But all things considered, I think if you're a private business or you're a county like here in Marion County, you're still going to be able to enforce that, which is a good thing. All right, let's turn to former state representative Mike Murphy here. Mike, all of this happening as the governor threatens to veto a bill from Republicans in the General Assembly that would limit some of the governor's powers in an emergency like this. I can tell you, Dan, that in my 40 years of familiarity with Indiana politics, I have never seen um, a party try to steal power from a governor of the same party. Um, I think it's egregious. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's uh, extra legal and clearly unconstitutional. And even though I have the greatest respect for my friends in the legislature, I think they're engaged in a march of folly, which will end up benefiting only the trial lawyers, which the Republicans love to hate. In the end, the governor will win this and the people of Indiana will win this. Lawmakers have pointed out they think the governor's handled the pandemic well. They, they want to establish boundaries and precedents in, in their words. want to bring in Robin Winston, the former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats. Uh, Robin, what do you make of the governor's handling of, of these situations? Well, I think the governor has the first one on the mask mandate. Jennifer is exactly right. He's done a very, very good job um, laying out where everything is. But I still don't understand fundamentally why asking somebody to put one of these on to protect their lives and the lives of others is so crazy. So I hope that uh, local governments will continue to do what they've done better than anybody, and that is make the decisions necessary. As it relates to the veto, you know, I wonder where the attorney general is in all this. He doesn't shy away from giving opinions on things clearly way out of the boundaries of Indiana. It'd be interesting to hear what he has to say about this, because first he may have to defend the state, against the governor if the governor vetoes this. So that'd be very interesting. It's going to be an interesting legal battle for sure. Uh, finally, Tony Samuel, 2016 vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign. How do you see all of this playing out? Well, there's a lot there. First of all, I don't think uh, anybody's saying that uh, folks think it's crazy to wear a mask. Uh, I will say this. It's been more than a year since this uh, 
pandemic has been going and we've all been educated where Hoosiers are smart people. Uh, they can make up their own minds on wearing a mask. The mask mandate had its time and I, and it's good. To, I, I think it's a good thing that we're moving away from it. Uh, people are smart enough. They can wear a mask for the rest of their lives if they want to. Uh, and, and we're getting uh, more and more uh, vaccinated. Uh, the, the education's there, the, the warmer months are coming and uh, we're reaching herd immunity, immunity because of the vac uh, vaccination. So I think you know that, that will run its course and I think we're on the right course for that. As far as the uh, vetoing and, and the uh, uh, governor's powers, we need to look again, and I've said this before, at other states. This isn't so much about this Republican legislature versus this governor. This is about what other states, Whitmer and, and Michigan, Murphy and, and New Jersey, uh, Gavin Newsom in California and, and, and uh, 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 Cuomo in, in New York. They, they've abused this power. Abusing their power has lost cost uh, folks their livelihoods. Uh, small businesses have been ruined. Uh, people have turned to addiction, drugs and alcohol. Uh, suicide rates have gone up. That's what uh, is okay. concerning here, that not so much about today but what future okay. governors might do. And there needs to be uh, a strong look at that. And that's what okay. the legislature is doing. Okay. Uh, state lawmakers do have a, a lot on their plate right now from pandemic-related policies to the state budget. But also this week, they took time to file a resolution that got a little attention, congratulating former VP Mike Pence on his quote-unquote retirement from politics. Thing is, it doesn't look like Mike Pence is retiring from politics. Reports this week that he is indeed starting the process of putting together a campaign for president in 2024, laying the groundwork perhaps. So Mike, question now, does he still have a future in the GOP as a potential top tier presidential candidate? Well, he absolutely has a great future. Um, you know, he doesn't have to rely on me to uh, buck him up or provide him with advice, certainly. Um, he's going to move forward. Uh, he's uh, going to help lead groups like the Heritage Foundation, very in, involved in the YAF group, which has been around since the uh, early Reagan years, uh, actually earlier than that. Um, he's getting ready to write a book. He'll be on talk shows and giving speeches. He's going to lay out his vision for America. And uh, we don't know what 2024 holds, but he will be in the mix as long as he wants to be in the mix or until uh, the voters uh, say they don't want him in the mix. But that's it's going to be up to him, not to uh, the Indiana General Assembly. Right. Uh, January 6th uh, will, will no doubt always be a, a part of his uh, legacy. Sadly, another incident involving a Capitol Police officer who was killed. Again, much more on that coming up later uh, today on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. Want to change gears here. Obviously, a lot of talk still about the 2020 election and now this controversial election law in Georgia. Delta, Coca-Cola, both putting pressure on Georgia's governor. The Major League Baseball Players Union talking about possibly moving this year's all-star game out of Georgia. Jennifer, all of this uh, very reminiscent of what happened here with RIFRA six years ago in terms of the backlash, which, by the way, was the last time that we had the Final Four. Certainly possible we could have uh, lost that event or events like that as a result. Yeah, and it's, it's, the comparison is apt and eerie. Um, I was involved in that campaign. I remember thinking the RIFRA issue was sewn up and voted on and I hightailed that out of town uh, for spring break with my kids. And as I was driving, more and more companies came out in opposition to RIFRA. And by the time I got to Fort Walton Beach, Florida, my phone was blowing up with national media, uh, media requests, international media requests. And I, I, I sensed the same thing happening in Atlanta and in Georgia, where you've got this ridiculous law and, and all of these corporations going, hey, 
this is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. And it'll be really, really fascinating to watch this play out because I think we've already seen how it plays out here in the Hoosier State. Robin? I want to see what they're going to do. I mean, you know, everybody, Mike served in the General Assembly. They have lobbyists over there that are advising them on everything. They knew about this bill. Now let's see what Delta does. Let's see what Home Depot does because Home Depot's owner, Arthur Blank, also is owner of, or founder, is owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Let's see what he does. Let's see what they do. That's the most important thing right now. Okay. We got to leave it there. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we're talking about the Final Four here in Indy. We're going to show you part of a new documentary from the Indy Star. That's next. The history here is long and deep. Great coaches, great players, John Wooden, Larry Bird, uh, you name it. Uh, Oscar Robertson, dozens and hundreds and thousands of others. So it, it is a special place for basketball. Uh, there are other places in the country, but I think folks around here would argue that it's more important here than anywhere. All right, that's just part of a new documentary from our partners at the Indy Star, showing what it took to bring the entire NCAA tournament here to Indy ahead of this Final Four weekend. It's called Madness. You can watch the whole thing right now at IndyStar.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. Time to wrap things up with this week's winners and losers. Robin, I'll start with you. Uh, Chris Gold and the people at Visit Indy, they helped put Indianapolis on the map this week. Tremendous opportunities in, in uh, highlighting our, our community and showing that when things come to push comes to shove, Indianapolis can deliver. Tony. Uh, bipartisanship is still alive in the Indiana General Assembly. My winners are Republicans and Democrats that are working together to pass House Bill 1381, uh, which is good for renewable energy and good for ratepayers uh, in the state. Jennifer? I have to agree with Robin. Uh, it's been such a great feeling to walk around downtown Indianapolis these last three weekends and, and see the, the streets and the shops being full of people, and that's been lovely. I think um, loser has to be, though, all of us and taking a moment to mourn the loss of another Capitol Police officer yeah. uh, in Washington, D.C. Mike, you get the last word. I have to give a shout-out to Ryan Vaughn of the Sports Corp, Eric Newberger, uh, Rick Fusen, all the facilities managers who actually made Indianapolis, the bright shining star of amateur sports over the past few weeks. It has been a lot of fun, no doubt. National championship game tomorrow. Hope you have a great Easter Sunday. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.